0: I'm pulling on my driveway. Actually pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Okay, so let me explain what's going on, why I'm actually driving to work. So we finally have shifted from an at home to a hybrid. So uh, we are going to be at home, I think on Mondays and Fridays always for now and be in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays for now. And then Wednesdays varies from, from week to week. So we're kind of in the office two and a half days a week. Um, but what that means for all you is I'm actually driving to work at least two times a week. So, um, my current plan is I will do some actual drive to works while I'm driving to work. Um, but because I'm not driving enough and I know the interviews have been kind of popular. Um, I think what I want to try to do is, um, do my non-interviews as my drive to works and my, uh, interviews as my, you know, drive from work from home, uh, is my current plan. Uh, but anyway, we, sh- we shall see, um, but for now, for now, at least a couple days a week, I am in fact driving to work, so I will talk. Uh, I will do drive to work, while will drive to work, as it was meant to be. Okay, so today, I want to talk about card frames. Um. So I want to talk a little bit about when and how and why we do card frames. And then just talk about some stories of ones we've done, why we did them. Um, so basically, um, when the game began back in Alpha, you know, um, uh, Jesper Mierforce who was the first art director, and Chris Rush, who was in charge of graphic design initially, um, decided that, you know, they figured out what a magic card would look like. And for quite a while, uh, I mean, there were little tiny tweaks here and there, but pretty much that's what a Magic card looked like. Um, now, obviously, there have been a couple sort of changes to the base frame. Uh, in 8th edition, we made a change. Uh, in M15, we made a second change. So there have been small changes to sort of the general look of the general frame. Um, that's not really what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about today is when we choose to make a frame that doesn't look like a normal magic frame because there are game design reasons for it, that there's a reason we need to make a different frame. Now, uh, I don't know if I'll have time to talk. I mean, there is a lot of like external frames, bonus frames, masterpieces, you know, there's a lot of frames for fun. Um, Not really my topic today. My topic today is when we choose to make frames that are different for functionality reasons. Okay, so what I believe is the very first sort of major frame change happened back in Invasion. So the, the quick version of the story was... Um, un, un, Unglued came out. In fact, in fact, I guess if you really want to say, the very first frame change was in Unglued. Um, we had a card called BFM for Big Furry Monster, and it was a card so big that it didn't fit on one card. And so it had to have two cards. So I, I guess when you get right down to it, unglued the wacky—you know—the wacky set was the first one that said, "Okay, I have a cool thing to do mechanically, and I'm going to change the way the magic cards look to accomplish this." Um, and you know, I—it's I, um, so anyway. What happens is we, I make that an unglued one, very popular. So in unglued two, a set that never ended up coming out, uh, I decided to make the reverse of it. And so instead of having one card so big that two ca- it takes two cards to make it, what if cards were small so two cards could fit on one card was the idea. That was my sort of the, visually the opposite. Um, the, so that set got put on hay. This never got made. But I really thought the cards, the little split cards, were really cool. And so what happened was when I was working on Invasion with Bill Rose and Mike Elliott, um, Bill, Bill was the lead of the set, the lead, the lead designer I went to Bill and I said, hey Bill We're making a multicolor set I have this really cool mechanic that I think would complement it, because my suggestion was the, the split cards are two ally colors So it's a red card and a green card um, Bill really thought it was a cool idea And put it in the file And for those, for those that know it, Nobody else, uh, I think Richard liked them But pretty much no one Other than Bill and I and, and Richard were, thought, thought they were a good idea uh, and there was a giant fight to make them. Um, one of the big, uh, one of the big strikes against it for people was from the very beginning. I had pitched it as it's two tiny cards on the card. That is how I envisioned it for un- unglue two. And the reason I wanted to do that once again, this is sort of up today's topic, is I didn't want to do it just to do it. It wasn't for novelty's sake. It's like if I show you a card with two little cards on it and I say, what do you think this does? I think that the answer is, oh, I guess I can cast one of them. Um, and so the reason we did split cards the way we did was we thought it, it was visually a very compelling way to convey something. Now, could we have done a normal-looking magic card that said, you know, here's one of two costs, and if you do this cost, it's that? Like, like could we have done it? Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, there's, there's ways to have done a split card that looked like a normal magic card. It would have been weird and the templating would have been odd. But I mean, was it was it doable? Yeah, it's possible to do. But why why didn't we do that? Because the, the frame we had just did such a better job of conveying to the audience what it was. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not saying there's not novelty. I'm not saying they didn't look cool. They did. Um, but a big reason for a frame is not just, oh, they look cool. You know, we could constantly be changing frames. Oh, this looks cool. And I mean, on some level, booster fun and, uh, you know, secret lair is is us messing around with that. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about is when design goes, you know what? Changing the card frame allows us to do something that either we couldn't do normally or it'd be very hard for the audience to play. You know, can we change the frame to make something that is easier to understand? And I think split cards. Like, one of the interesting things was we did, in fact, figure out how to click cards would look without it. And it just looked way worse and was harder to understand. You know, like, it, it, not only did you lose sort of the novelty of the look of it, but you lost the functionality of it. And that when we did it in a normal thing, like, it was very hard to remember there was a second ability because we had to put one mana cost in the upper right hand corner and the second one had to be in the tools deck. It, it just didn't have, it didn't carry what it did. Um, okay, so, there are, um, once again, my, my, my goal today is to talk about frames that we change for mechanical reasons. There are frame changes, um, that, we there are frame changes we have done, um, something like, you know, uh legendary creatures. We've adapted them so people can recognize it. I mean, there's a little bit of functionality so you understand it's a legendary creature. Um, but there's also a the little panache in making them stand out. Um, okay, so, uh, the next time we did a frame, um, I think, was Planeswalkers. Um, now, Planeswalkers are a little bit different. They're a new car type, I guess. Um, but, we needed to accomplish something and the traditional looking magic frame, as you think of it just didn't work um, and so we said, "Is well, let's optimize for what the card is, what does the card want to do oh, the card wants to have a certain number of loyalty abilities, and you have to know how much loyalty it takes, and you have to know how much loyalty the creature has, and so a lot of the planes were like stay true to the sort of the heart of a magic card, the name and the um, mana cost are in the same place um, we had to shift around a few things to sort of make it work, but in general, you know, we did keep the general ethos, you know, the general sense of what a Magic Card is in making the Planeswalkers. But um, the other big thing we did in trying to figure that out was uh, we said, you know what, these are different, and not only are they different in sort of layout, but like in art needs. Like these are grandiose characters, these are our big characters. What if we did full-length art, full art of the character? You know, and so we made the frame so it was see-through so that you could see that. Um, and that was something where it really helped sell. So sometimes the frame is purely mechanical. And there's a lot about a planeswalker that was mechanical. You know, we had to convey, you know, how you got your loyalty, how you spent your loyalty. You know, and if you notice, for example, th- there's little arrows that sort of go up and down subtly. Um, and... But we also wanted to convey a flavor of it like the legendary change had a little bit of can you recognize this but also um you know we wanted it to sort of seem grandiose planeswalkers we wanted to sort of show off you know the idea that you can show that them standing up the fullness of the character felt kind of cool and different um okay i'm not sure these are chronological these are what i haven't written down um the next big frame that i remember us tackling is the colorless frame um, so the colorless frame was um, we had done. Uh, I think it's Rise of the Eldrazi. I'm not sure, but yeah. So anyway, we had something that wasn't a color, and we wanted to make them feel different. Uh, so we ended up doing this thing where, like the Planeswalkers, they're full frame, um, and that was something sort of to give them a different look. Um, we want, We didn't want colorless to feel like a six color. Um, I know a lot of times there's confusion of that anyway So we wanted the frame to look different Um, so we did a similar thing We did with Planeswalkers where you can see the image Through the frame to give them a little Sort of different feel, um And it also allows us to sort of Um, we want to make sure That, like, one of the functionalities is Um, how do you tell That this is colorless versus, like, being off-white Or something, and and the see-through frame Just made it very different Um Now, another thing to keep in mind is um, when we make a frame, like, like, okay, so my next example is Devoid. So Devoid is an example where we wanted to convey two different things to you. The cards were colorless, and matter they were colorless, and a set that cared about colorlessness, but at the same time, they had mana in them, that that colored mana that required you to cast them. And so that was an interesting chant. Like, how do we capture the, how do we capture both things? How do we say, hey, I am colored, hey, a red deck, you, know, you might want to put me in a red deck because I require red mana, but I'm not a normal red card. On the battlefield, you know, I am a colorless thing. And so, like, we played around with the, 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 the text, I'm sorry, the, um, the card name box was more colored than the text box was. So in your hand, the part you could see in your hand was a little more colored. But on the battlefield, the majority of it is more washed out, so it reads more as colorless. Okay, next up is miracles. So, miracle was an example of, here's something that we need you to notice when you're drawing it, right? We need, the moment you draw, you have to right away understand something because there was an, like, you had to do something before you put it in your hand. So, when you drew it, you had to notice something right away. So, we did a different frame. Uh, and this is an example where we're just trying to you, observe something. Like, the the point of the frame, is it, it's not that the magic frame as normal couldn't handle, um, miracles. I mean, it it, it it was more of, uh, we're asking you to recognize something at a time that's unnormal, you know, at that time was not a normal thing you did. So, that's example of using a frame as a way to sort of, um, a, as an aid to help the players sort of recognize something. That, you know, the miracles look different. So, you draw them, you're like, oh, this is a miracle. That you knew right away that it was a miracle. Um, okay, uh, yeah, these, so this list is not chronological, I'm realizing as I'm going through it. Um, next, uh, let me talk flip cards. So flip cards were in Champs and Kamigawa block. Uh, we had this idea of cards with two states. And the way we're going to represent two states is that you could flip them um, in either direction. So, so there, there was that there you there was a card in one direction and then 180 degrees you flip it upside down there's a second card and we did the art so that if you look at one way you see one thing another way you see another thing um, and the idea there was we were trying to understand how to do a dual state card um, and in order to do that we needed to sort of have two cards on one card now th- we couldn't use the split card technology because you, you needed to know what was the dominant card and so we had you f- literally flip it by the called flip cards um, now, that's a good example, by the way, of us having a new frame. Um, I think both Flip Cards and Aftermath, which was Mechanic and Amon Cat, is a good example where we changed the card frames from a functional for a functional reason. Like, we changed Flip Cards because we wanted you to have a sense of what is where, and we wanted two states. Um, we changed Aftermath. Aftermath were basically split cards, but the way they worked was... Um, one of them you cast from your hand and one of them you cast from your graveyard. So they were like, a, I guess, a cross between split cards and flashback cards. Um, but we wanted you to be aware in your graveyard what was castable. So we we altered one of them so in your graveyard you could you could rotate them so that you could see this is what's castable in your graveyard and not cause confusion. But, well, both flip cards and... Um, um, the, the uh aftermath cards uh, did... I'll add one more to that. Level Up was Rise of the Eldrazi Uh, at the same time we did Cullis cards. We did a mechanic called Level Up. Uh, And in it, you can spend mana to raise levels, and at different levels, your power toughness changes, and what abilities you have change. And so we made a text box that was sort of three-layered so that there was three different um, text boxes for you. Um, And the... The, well I have an interesting story for for Level Up in a second but Miracles uh, not Miracles sorry um, flip, uh, flip Cards and Aftermath Cards and Level Up all had an interesting problem in that they were aesthetically unpleasing to the audience that the feedback we got was yeah I get what you're doing I get why you're doing this but man it wasn't pleasing and even the Flip Cards were functionally problematic like one of the big problems was if I tap it and attack well did I tap to the right I tap to the left, which state is that card in? Because players don't uniformly tap in the same direction. So it was hard to track. Now in the case of flip cards, eventually we would get to um, double face cards where you have two different faces, one on the front and one on the back. Um, and even there, there were, I mean, those look more like a normal frame, although obviously there's a, there's a card on the back. Um, but even then, there, there is symbology and little things we do to make you recognize that it's a double face card so that you know that you flip it over. Um, oh, a quick story on level up, just a fun story here. One of the challenges in making an alternate frame is making it such that the the audience will use it intuitively. So one of the interesting stories about level up was, I think originally when we did level up, um, you level, uh, you went... Was it went up or down? I forget the, which order we ended up on level up. Um, I think what we did originally on level up is... Um, you went up. Is that right? Or is that how we ended up doing it? I forget how we did it. We did it one direction. And the and every time people were playing it, they were, they were doing it the opposite direction. So we flipped it. So it's an example of... Like, you need to play test your theme so the audience can play it and sort of get a sense of how it works. Um, okay, another example of... Um, a change that's not a big change, but it like kind of like um, miracles was enchantment creatures in Theros block. Um, and we uh, since since used them in like Kamigawa you know, dynasty. Uh, so, what we did there is we, we made sort of a Nyx pattern. So, it was important enchantment creatures mattered, enchantments mattered. We wanted to recognize when something was an enchantment creature. Um, for example, if something's an artifact creature, we in fact. There's a, there's an artifact frame, and when we made colored artifacts, we made color artifact frames. Now those look a little more like normal magic, although you know clearly there's a texture and to understand it's an artifact that is colorless. I'm not colorless and colored, um, but enchantment creatures there really was nothing like enchantments all looked the same. So we made this frame as a reminder, as a visual tool, um, and like I said, when we're trying to decide whether or not to do a frame one of the things we always sort of ask ourselves is, um, is there a functional need? Can we just do a normal frame? Um, We we tend not to do new frames for novelty purposes. We tend to do them because there's a functional reason that you need the new frame. Um, And enchantment creatures are a good example um, in that it's something you might not notice. You care about them, you know, It's a lot easier to notice a normal enchantment because they're not sort of in the middle of combat and tapping and have, you know, equipment or auras on them. Where a level of creature is a little harder to tell that. I mean, like, for example, Theros had bestowed creatures specifically. So anyway, um, that is a good example of us trying to make something to recognize so you understand it. Okay, next up, sagas. So sagas were an interesting case where we knew we wanted to do something new. We knew that it was a different kind of thing. And the functionality... So the interesting thing about that, so when we first did Sagas, I think the original idea that we had come across was that it would look kind of like a board game and there would be this track that ran through the card that you would advance on. Uh, And then there would be iconography that tells you what effect it was when you hit that. So it turned out that the idea that, like, I I think early on we were like, oh, there's six or seven, and, you know, on the second and third and fifth turn something happened. It turned out that we needed to condense it Uh, And basically, what we learned is, look, something just needs to happen every turn. It's not worth it to have turns where nothing happens. Um, And so the interesting thing is, um, so James Arnold, the person who did the frames at the time, had this challenge of, okay, how do we do this? Um, But one of the things we realized that that came from the iconography version of it was sometimes we wanted to do the same effect more than once. And what we found was usually those were concurrent, meaning usually if you wanted to do something, you would do them... Uh, on chapters next to each other. Uh, and so the idea that um, James came up with is, well, what if we do a vertical track and then the cha- there's little chapters and it gives numbers to represent the chapter. So if you want to do the same effect on two different turns, you just put two chapters there. So chapter one and two are this effect. And that would allow us to like, One of the things we're always worried about when making frames is you have to think about where to put the text and how to fit the text on and can the card communicate the things it needs to communicate? And so that's a good example where, um, you know, James found this neat technology. And the other nice thing about chapters, like one of the things about sagas was we were trying to convey storytelling, right? This represented a story, you're hearing a story. And so all that sort of a lot of the, the texture that went into it reinforced that this was a story. Now, interestingly, once he went vertical, that meant from, we, we had an interesting art decision of, okay, well, what can we do with vertical art? Um, and then, uh, on, as a separate group, one of the things that we've come up with in Dominari, the main sagas, is this concept of, well, what if the art on the saga represents storytelling, uh, but rather than normal magic art, what if we... Um, and the reason we did this originally was because Dominaria itself was about history. So we thought it was really cool if we showed you the history of Dominaria on sagas, which is why we made sagas, through the way that Dominarians themselves would lead the story. So is it stained glass? or is, you know, It was really neat to sort of see it like through the art of the world telling stories. And then that was so compelling, that's just become how we do it now, right? So when we do sagas... Um, we really look into how, you know, in the source material that we're at, like Neon Dynasty can do, how how did the Japanese, you know, visually tell stories? Uh, When we were in call time, how did the Norse do it? You know, when, um, so wherever we are, we can sort of look and say, oh, well, what, look at the world we're doing, the inspiration from our world, and like, how can we tell stories in this regard? Um, And so it's a lot of fun, you know, that sagas sometimes have been, blueprints or have been certain styles of art or sculpture. It's just been really neat. So, it's a good example where we embodied what we wanted it to be, and the frame change not only let us functionally do something that would be hard to do, not but, um... And the other thing about, by the way, that's nice because of the sagas is if you have a counter, you know, a die or, or, or a penny or whatever, you can sort of keep track of where you are. You can keep track of what chapter you're on. Um, so, there's, like, functionality to that. Um... But the are a great example of making a new frame that really carries a lot of weight and work and, and does a lot of cool things. Okay, uh, next up vehicles. So we invented vehicles in Kaladesh. Um, and the idea of vehicles was that we knew that, so they were a new, uh, new artifact subtype. Um, but we knew that they were, they were going to be confusing and that they were kind of creatures and kind of not. So, there are artifacts that turn into creatures, but they're not always creatures. So, if we just put to a power toughness on them, they would just read like artifact creatures, and you would think they, you could attack all the time. So, the frame change there was like, like, we need to communicate that these aren't just creatures. And so, and then, like, the nice thing about uh, the frame changes is when, once you're saying, okay, we need to communicate something different. Also, we have uh, our dedicated, you know, artists that make the frames are then able to say, well, how can I communicate this quality? Okay, what is a vehicle? Well, how can, I, how can I communicate? Not just do I have, you know, not just is the frame different for the sake of recognizing it's different, but I also get to reinforce the theme. That's something it does really well. Um, okay, another example of sort of using frames to do something uh, that would be hard otherwise was host and augment. Um I talked about unglued at the beginning of this and I, I really didn't get into the unsets but the unsets really have messed around in different space uh like when i talked about dfc's i didn't even talk about meld which are dfc's that on the back create a large card that you piece together which essentially is sort of black border magic doing bfm uh we figured out a way to do it and so um you know that that is a sense of of frames doing something that has a a coolness factor, but, you know, something that's above and beyond. Two cards becoming one. So Host audit was interesting in that um, I wanted this idea of a card, but then I can attach a separate card to it, and it changes the nature of the card. And by using the frame that we used, um, so the way it works is Host looks like a normal magic card. Yeah, it's got a little metal bar. It's got a little something on it that tells you it's different, but it, it does look more or less like a normal magic card. Um, but then the augments sort of go on top of the host and overwrite half the card, and they literally sit on the card, and the stuff that they overlap, they overwrite. So that was one of the cool things of how host and augment work was the visualness told you what the new card was, that when things got covered up, it was no longer that thing. And when things were on top, that was part of that. And so that conveying that was something that really allowed the frame to sort of have a lot of functionality. Um, likewise, for example, in, in the same set, um, we did contraptions, right? And so contraptions... Now, contraptions were, you know, uh, a very different magic card in that. It had a different back. You know, it was, it was a sort of different deck, if you will. And so we were freer to do whatever we wanted with them. Um... I think contraptions uh, were um, artifacts, so we needed them to have an artifact to them. Uh, But we really were able to make a new frame, and and because of what we were able to do, we did a full frame, and for those that don't realize, um, all the contraptions are three by three pieces of art. So uh, for each of the factions, there's nine contraptions, and if you put them together, they make a larger picture uh, that each is a giant contraption, uh, that matches each of the five factions. Um, so in uh, uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, we made classes. So classes took some of the technology from sagas, sort of flipped them. the arts on, I guess, on the left instead of the right. Um, but use a similar saying, hey, we want to grow with time. How do we mark that? Oh, sagas do that well. Can we do a tweak on the saga frame? So that's an example of using iconography. And that's something we also try to do. If we do something and a frame conveys something, if we're trying to do something new, we're aware of what technology we have to convey things. So, like, sagas really sort of set the bar for something that classes were able to then make use of. And that understanding how sagas work made it easier to understand how classes work. Um... Other things we did. Uh, we Snow, for example. Uh, snow is a lot like what we did with sort of the enchantment creatures and Theros. We wanted to recognize when something was snow, so we made a snow frame to reinforce that. Um, and then um, the, the other big thing is uh, tokens and emblems. Um, we started, uh, like I said, Unglued uh, started making toke- tokens uh, and that we wanted to make sure that the tokens don't read as normal cards, but as tokens. And so, tokens are done so they haven't... You know, we, we want them to look magic card-ish. Um, but they definitely... The, the, the art ratios are different. Specifically so when you see it, that you understand on the battlefield that it is a token. You know, at the end of your game, you know that this doesn't go in your deck. Um, and, you know, the, uh, tokens react differently to certain things, like unsummon effects. So, just making sure that you can differentiate. Um, I think the key sort of lesson today uh, is... R&D has become, like... In the early days, like when I tried to do this, this like nobody stopped me on glue because it was the wacky set. But when I was trying to do split cards early on, there was a lot of resistance. And I think over time, what people come to realize is look, we have a lot of cards to make. And, you know, sometimes there's neat things we can do that will fit on a card, but aren't easy to do with the normal card frame. And that we want to be careful when and how. Like, we, we don't want to do. You know, we want card frames to be there because they need to be there and there's a function for them. But it is a tool that R&D sort of accepts that once upon a time we were much more, maybe not me, I wasn't hesitant, but you know, d as a whole was a little more hesitant about. And I really think that what has happened is that um, we've come to embrace it as an important sort of tool in our toolbox. Uh, and so today hopefully just sort of running through things and talking about the, the general philosophy and how and why we do things. Um, but I uh, I am now by the way I am actually at work. I am at Wizards of the Coast. Um so just so you guys understand that uh, um for so for 2 years since since Mar- like March of of 2020 we started working at home. Um I did swing by the office a couple times to, like pick up stuff. Um that, like and you know print up a file or something. Um and there was one day I came last year I, and I recorded a podcast um, where I, uh, we, I needed to come and like, set up my desk. We had moved desks and stuff, although I didn't actually move. But I had to set up my desk and there, I, did, I was at a play test. Um, but we are now back in the office. And so uh, um, it's weird. It, it's, you know you get very used to things. So I got very used to working at home. Uh, I, I, I'm, I assume I'll get used to back, back to being in the office. But uh, anyway, it is fun. It is fun to do a to work where I'm actually driving to work. Um, you know, normally by the way, when I do it at home, I tend to stop like at 30 minutes, I stop. And here, like, I realized I, I got to the office at 28 minutes, and I'm like, wait, wait, it's under 30 minutes. Although, I guess me explaining that will end up being 30 minutes. Anyway, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's talk. Um, I really think frames are a cool thing, and hopefully, I, I don't know, illuminated some stuff for right you today. But anyway, I am now at Wizards of the Ghost, so we all know what that means. It means instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Okay, I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.